Good afternoon and welcome to Love from the Hips for Show. I am spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. This show airs every Wednesday from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. here on Alternative Talk Radio and is unlike anything you have ever heard. Love from the Hip was created to help others to help themselves or love themselves again. On this show, you may hear me follow up with people who have used hypnotherapy to improve their lives or to overcome issues that have thrown up roadblocks in their lives. I will also spotlight people from around the world who are helping others in their own unique way. Together, we can all make a difference, and it starts with love, love from the hip. So let's get our collective journey started with today's edition of Love from the Hip. With summer here and love in the air, what better topic could there be for today than a romance novel, specifically Lady in Waiting? On today's show, I will be interviewing author Marie Tremaine on her fantastic first book. But before I do so, I want to tell you about how Marie Tremaine and I know each other. Marie and I met in 2005. I actually dated her twin brother. After we decided it was best to go our separate ways, Marie asked, or rather she told her brother, that she would not part ways with me. And instead, her and I became very close friends. Our daughters, only seven months apart, also became close friends. Marie was always that positive friend. When I met her, I was still going through a divorce, which became so ugly it went to trial. Marie was that friend that helped me to see the silver linings when all seemed so dark. I will let her share her story and how she became a writer, but I will say that although she was not a published author when I met her, and although we discussed our children more than literary works, she introduced me to the first book to put me on my spiritual path to today. To today. <laughs> and sitting with her right here, right now, she may not even remember, <laughs> but it was a book that definitely made a dent in my life. I remember when she handed me this book, I may have been complaining about my divorce, my life, or the world around me, and she said to me, hey, this may really help you. It almost felt a little bit like she was letting me in on a secret. The book she handed to me was Wealth Beyond Reason by Bob Doyle. And for those of you unfamiliar with this book, it is all about the law of attraction, what it is, how it works, how to use it, etc. This book helped me to create my own silver linings and the life I wanted. It was the first of many books that I would read to help steer my spiritual path and develop my compassionate point of view on life and the world around me. Ironically, she is sitting here across from me, now a published author, with a, with a dream that she had always told me she had, but now it is tangible, and it is in front of her. Literally, her book is on the table. If that isn't proof enough that you can create the life you want and make your dreams come true... I don't know what is. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we will jump right in with author Marie Tremaine. Microneedling is a revolutionary treatment that can help reduce the appearance of acne scars, fine lines, pigmentation, wrinkles, even improve the appearance of stretch marks by stimulating collagen and elastin. Sakura Skin and Mind specializes in this procedure that jumpstarts your body's natural healing process. Sakura Skin and Mind believes in not only keeping the skin up to date with the latest trends in the skincare industry, but also keeping the skin beautiful, fast, pretty, painless, and affordable. Find out more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. Need help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150. 
Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I am spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to tune in every Wednesday from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. right here on KKNW 1150 AM. Today, I am interviewing author Marie Tremaine. Thank you for being here, Marie. Thank you for having me. No problem. I want to get into your book, but first I want to talk more about you. Most people tend to believe that becoming a writer is an intangible mythical process, if you will, only available to the elite, but you, as unique as you are, are much like everyday people. Would you say that this book happened because of luck, fate, or by using the law of attraction, or maybe all of the above? Uh, yeah, absolutely, all of the above. You know, I think we all have a path that we are fated to. Um, I also think that as far as the law of attraction goes, aligning with your purpose and aligning with uh, your goals is a big part of um, reaching them. And, um, and then as far as luck, I found that my luck increased the more I put myself out there and networked with all these amazing people um, and just sort of forced myself to deal with the stomach pain of <laughs> meeting all of the people and saying the things um, that made me really nervous and scared because I'm actually an introvert. Yeah. <laughs> As you know. <laughs> yes, I do know that. Yeah, that's difficult. Yeah, coming out of your shell in order to be seen, right? Exactly. Right. So how long have you been a writer? Uh, not terribly long. I started, um, I've been thinking about it for years, 10 years, in fact. Um, and then I started writing in 2014 um, at the behest of my husband, who told me, hey, look, you don't want to turn 40 and have talked about this for 10 years and not do it. Mm -hmm. You'll regret it. And it was because he said that, that I actually went ahead and tried. Uh, that's great. So he was the instigating factor. He was. He was the catalyst <laughs> <laughs> and the inspiration. <laughs> and how did you choose the genre of romance novels? Uh, you know, I think it's really about what you like reading. Um, I think if you like reading something um, a lot, you may do a better job of writing it. Now, mm -hmm. that's not always true. I know some authors who really uh, like to wind down with historical romance, but they write really great contemporary romance mm -hmm. um, or paranormal. Um, but yeah, I, that's what worked for me was what I liked to read. And so what was your, what is your favorite book that was an inspiration for romance uh, novels for you? Um, well, I'd have to say that one of my favorite classic authors of historical romance, um, aside from the, you know, uh, Jane Austen's and the <laughs> Georgette Hares of the world, um, would be Lisa Kleepis, and she um, and she has been writing historical romance for for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and she was the one who it I would be reading her books and and uh, and it would sort of spark that interest, that intrigue, like, hey, I wonder if I could do this. this yeah, is so fun and accessible, and I'm really immersed in it. Um, so probably one of my favorites of hers is uh, Scandal in Spring. It's just a really great book. Okay, yeah, awesome. but they're all good. <laughs> And what was the inspiration for your book series? Oh, you know, that's also a really good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I got this idea, um, really. It just kind of popped up over 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, my book is sort of an upstairs, downstairs, Downton Abbey style story with a missing person's twist. So it's mm. a lot of things. Yeah. And it was uh, an idea in my head before Downton Abbey even came out, although nobody was more excited than I was. When Down Nabby came, came out. out. Um, so, uh, so I really can't tell you. I think it just was a mashup in my head of things I liked to read. Uh -huh. I was interested in. And how many books are in this series? 
Um, this series is The Reluctant Brides, and uh, there are three Reluctant Brides in the series. And this is part of Avon Harper Collins. That's right. And can you explain for listeners what Avon is and yeah. maybe those that don't read romance novels? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so Avon is the romance imprint of Harper Collins, mm-hmm. and um, I'm. Um, and I'm one of their newer authors, um, and they are known uh, across the genre as uh, kind of being it for historical romance. So it was a great uh, honor. Mm-hmm. I, would, I feel very fortunate to have um, landed with them. And how did you land with them? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, first, I um, when I finished my manuscripts, uh, which was 10 years in the making. I finished it, and then I pitched it to agents. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I um, I secured an agent, and she's wonderful. Um, and then you uh, start the process of pitching to publishing houses, mm-hmm. which takes time. Uh, that's one thing to remember about traditional publishing is it just takes time. Yeah. Um, it's, we published, or I apologize, we uh, submitted to nine publishing houses. Eight of them rejected me. Oh, wow. To the point where my agent said, you know, you may want to think about trying something else. Oh, no. Historical fiction or maybe Scottish Uh Highlander romance. And and I was considering it, you know, sadly. But but then she flew to New York because she's based out of California. And Uh she walked into Avon and she's, you know, smacked the manuscript down on the editor's (laughs) desk and said, if you haven't read this yet, you should. I love it. And I think you will, too. And thankfully for for me, they did. Yeah. And so that's how it happened. So she was, um, yeah, she, very persistent. She was. Yeah. She was. She's wonderful. And is she a local agent? Is um, She's based out of California. Okay. In the San Diego area. Yeah. Her name is Kevin Lyon. So it's pretty common that you can have an agent that's not local to where you're at as a writer. I think it would be strange if you did have an agent that was local. <laughs> a lot of them are based okay. out of other places and often New York. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you think... With your book about being about romance, <clears throat> do you think that in general that gives people a sense of hope or maybe as far as like finding love or helps them to maybe spice up their current relationships? You know, I hope so. I really <laughs> do. Um, I think, you know, a good romance can be like a warm, cuddly blankie that you just curl up with and mm-hmm. and lose yourself in. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm not necessarily looking for all the accolades and awards but if I can if I can make somebody's weekend or their evening you know hopeful and and full and mm-hmm. if they can fall in love yeah while my heroine is falling in love then that's the best reward I that's, could have that's excellent now do you think that it's kind of spanned out I know it's mostly women readers correct correct for romance novels mm-hmm. I mean do you think that more and more men are kind of taking to romance or not so much uh you know, I think it's always going to be kind of a female-dominated readership, mm-hmm. um, and that's fine, although there are um, more and more dif- uh, male authors that I'm meeting. Oh, um, okay. There are authors of male romance, um, LGBT romance, um, all it's spanning a broad range nowadays, yeah. um, but I feel like, in general, it will always be sort of... Mostly women. Mostly women, yeah. Okay. So do you wish you had started writing at a sooner age in your life? Yes and no. So, you know, there's part of me that thinks, you know, gosh, if you just started 10 years ago when you first had the idea, then mm-hmm. you'd be 10 years into it and and you'd have more time. But honestly, um, and this sort of goes along with, 
you know, fate and your path. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would have been ready 10 years ago, 12 years ago. It's, I feel like I had to get there in my head. I mean, there was a lot of uh, inward battles, mental battles, where I didn't think of myself as a writer. And I Mm -hmm. had to convince myself that I was and take myself seriously before I could expect anyone else to. And I think that came with time for me. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, more of like, if you're not ready, maybe you wouldn't have gotten the book contract. It wouldn't have turned out the way you wanted it to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And seeing yourself and visualizing yourself as a writer and sitting in that, right, that yeah. space. That's mm-hmm. great. That's great. So do you write under a pseudonym? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things, and I'm not the only one at all. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of us do, and, and particularly in romance, I think. We like to have our, um, you know, that side of things that's, you know, professional side and then the personal Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun and it also helps me slip into that identity. Uh, okay. Like an alter ego, exactly. if you will. Yeah. Okay. Is that pretty common among a lot of writers? I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's at least it is in my experience, but you know, there are just, there are still quite a few writers who just use their own name. Use their own name. Yeah. yeah. It's well, personal preference. Yeah. I could see that. So, um, We're going to have to actually go and take a quick break. But when we come back, I'm going to actually have you tell our listeners a brief summary or give us a brief summary about your book, Lady in Waiting. Okay. Did you know that your skin is your body's first defense against disease and infection? BrioTech knows and has developed their topical skin spray to enhance your skin's natural healing responses and defenses. BrioTech is all about providing its customers products that help promote skin wellness. BrioTech Topical Skin Spray is a light misting spray free of added fragrance, oil, alcohol, and parabens. All this protection without clogging your pores. It's a must addition to your all around daily skincare regimen. Try BrioTech, a collection of sprayers from two ounces to eight ounces. With this bundle, you can have BrioTech Topical Skin Spray wherever life takes you. All natural and safe to use from head to toe. Irritations, redness, post-procedure sensitivities? Get BrioTech Topical Skin Spray today. Years in the making, doctor recommended, and available through Amazon. Learn more at BrioTechUSA.com. That's B-R-I-O-T-E-C-H-U-S-A.com. Support your skin at BrioTechUSA.com. If you're planning on building a home or a major landscaping project, you'll want the team of Stone Resources on your side. Safely, effectively, and correctly working with our unique terrain requires local knowledge and environmental care. For 21 years, Stone Resources has been making sure their customers' biggest investment is on solid ground. Trust your next earth-moving project to Stone Resources. Call 425 754 6792. That's 425-754-6792. Stone Resources. We make the earth move. And remember, if you need dirt or have dirt to get rid of, you can call on us. 425-754-6792.
Your skin is your body's largest organ. Care for it properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers several clinical facial treatments to help stimulate collagen production, eliminate toxins, boost circulation, and deeply cleanse. See a new you in your mirror. Clinical facials range from $90 and up. Do your face a favor. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more, sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I am spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to tune in every Wednesday from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. right here on KKNW 1150 AM. Today I'm interviewing author Marie Tremaine. And we're just jumping right back in here, and she's going to give us a brief summary on her book, Lady in Waiting. Okay, well, um, so <laughs> it's, I, it was a lot of fun to write. Um, hopefully it's a lot of fun to read. Um, but basically it's a story about an heiress. Um, and her family's fallen to scandal because her older sister made a oh an unfortunate marriage and uh, and eloped, and so um, her family uh, decides to marry her off to a baron, who ends up not being a very nice guy, mm-hmm. and um, in desperation she hops out the window of her bedroom on the eve of her wedding and seeks employment as a housemaid in a reclusive earl's country estate Mm -hmm. and um and she hides there um knowing nobody will probably find an heiress there right um but of course she doesn't escape his notice for very long and um, because she's not very conventional and Mm -hmm. relationships are formed and they fall in love and yet it's obviously very forbidden um, earls cannot have relationships with housemaids <laughs> and housemaids should know their place or get sacked. Uh-huh. And, um, and then eventually, of course, the Baron finds his way there. So, um, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like, it sounds very much like a Downton Abbey episode, <laughs> if you will, but sure. yeah, quite scandalous. Yes. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, a lot of writers tend to use their life or apply personal characteristics to their protagonist or antagonist would you say that this is the case for you um you know it's uh I think we all have life situations that we can draw on um you know difficult friendships or or relationships where Mm -hmm. you felt maybe betrayed or anything like that um but honestly I I think as far as personality traits, she's kind of plucky, and I like to think of myself as plucky. <laughs> I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, you're pretty plucky, too. So. <laughs> um, hey. <laughs> that's a good thing. Um, but, but, yeah, I, uh, but you know what's funny is that the more, the more people, readers I would meet uh-huh. at signing events, um, the more they told me that I looked like the model on the cover. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. Which is funny because I, I didn't really mean to do that. Uh-huh. Um, but I may have inadvertently modeled my first heroine <laughs> after what I looked like. So, oops, but, you know, it's funny. Yeah. Well, we all like to think of ourselves as a hero, too, right? Sure. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. First time out of the gate, too. So are there any hidden secrets in your book? Hidden secrets? Hmm. Well, um, you know, I live in the Northwest, and uh, the closest thing I can think of that would be a secret or an Easter egg, I guess, if you will, is if you're a Northwest listener, um, 
my heroes and some characters do tend to be named after some of the more resplendent sounding uh Seattle street names. Ah, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Driving around town. Oh, that's a nice one, you know. How um, interesting. Yeah. So. Huh. Okay. All right. So aside from researching street names in Seattle, did you have to do any other research when writing this book? Oh, yes, absolutely. In fact, even though I wasn't writing for those 10 years, I was researching. I was mm-hmm. checking out books from the library on, you know, um, domestic serv- servants in England in Victorian times, I was, you know, researching online about, you know, um, the aristocracy and how things worked. Um, I had read a lot of Victorian literature in college, um, Mm -hmm. so I wasn't altogether unfamiliar with the time, but you can always do more research. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I would imagine that there's probably way more of that timepiece or time era now, way more books written about that time era than before. Absolutely. When you were in high school and I was in high school. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. It's great. Okay. So what is your method to writing or do you have one? Is there a method to your madness? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's definitely madness. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so there's kind of a, a joke among writers. There's plotters mm-hmm. and there's pantsers, like by the seat of your pants. Ah. And um, I like to think that I'm a hybrid of the two. <laughs> um, so I, We are I, in Seattle, so I guess I, you can be a hybrid. That's right. I can be whatever <laughs> I want. Um, so, yeah, I do plot my story out before I start. Um, I have a 20-square plotting grid, and I know where all my turning points have to happen, where my dark moment needs to occur. And then I, um, I set that aside, and I refer to it occasionally as I'm writing it. But then the scenes and the action specifics I'm kind of pantsing it so, hmm. yeah wow yeah it's like a roadmap that I throw away after yeah. I start <laughs> <laughs> do you like span it across your wall or is it on your desk um a square system you know I could I I really I keep it in my leather folio and I pull it out when I need it yeah um, so I don't want to I don't want to feel like I'm relying too much on it but because honestly this the the spontaneity mm-hmm. is really where a lot of that magic happens where like I would imagine yeah 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 and it kind of brings in the the reader more when it's more spontaneous than sure you know, scripted yeah if, you, if you're not expecting it then the reader might not be expecting <laughs> it either which is Absolutely. great yeah <laughs> so there would there be any reason why you would tell someone to write one way or the other as far as being a plotter or a pantser no not at all I think it's whatever works for you yeah quite honestly writing is such a is such a um tough thing creatively, um, mm-hmm. that I would say if it were whatever works for you is great. Okay. And so now that you're actually getting paid for writing and your book has been published, has it become any less of a passion for you? Uh, that is a really <laughs> good question. Um, the answer is no, mm-hmm. um, but I have had to adjust to working under weaving deadlines, yeah. often on multiple books at once, mm-hmm. which is very tough because whenever I switch books, I have to kind of skim through the whole thing and get back into that headspace. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All your characters and everything. Right. So, um, so yeah, it, it can be it can be tough. It's it's a little more um, uh, complicated, mm-hmm. but I'm still very passionate about it. Yeah. And what's a typical deadline? Oh, that's a, does it <laughs> does it vary? It does vary, actually. And deadlines mm-hmm. move all the time. Uh, publishing dates move all the time. I think my first book, uh, the publishing date got moved three times. Oh, wow. Um, and my deadlines moved accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it can be anywhere from like 
turn in your manuscript in six months, um, and that's subject to change if publishing dates get bumped or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to jump right in again and kind of pick your brain more on writing and, and all of that for our listeners. Okay. Welcome to The Weekly Skinny. In this segment, I will be discussing the latest skincare trends as well as skincare tips and other information that may be helpful to you and keeping your skin beautiful. Today, I would like to talk about the ever-famous Vampire Facial, coined by Kim Kardashian in 2013. The Vampire Facial, or more commonly known now as the PRP Facial, is a pretty serious anti-aging treatment involving microneedling. The way it works is, the client comes in and has their blood drawn from their arm by a doctor or PA. Then their blood is spun in a centrifuge, separating the platelets and plasma from the red blood cells. The plasma, which is similar in texture and color to egg yolk, is then applied by a skincare professional all over the face, neck, and maybe even the decollete. Then the skincare professional, i.e. me, uses a microneedling device to create tiny micropathways on the skin so that the plasma or PRP can seep in. These micropathways or microchannels create acute trauma which causes your skin to create collagen and elastin. The PRP or plasma has an amazing anti-aging effect as well as a healing effect. One PRP facial has been said to have better results than one CO2 laser or fraxel treatment because unlike these harsh laser treatments, healthy skin is not harmed and downtime is minimal. Not to mention, a PRP facial is less expensive. The going rate is anywhere from $800 to $1,600 per treatment. The client leaves with a bit of a bloody appearance, but this is not from the PRP, but instead from the depth of the needles, which is most beneficial at pinpoint bleeding in the skin. It is a mini facelift for the skin, addressing fine lines, wrinkles, pigmentation, pore size, and texture. If you are interested in more information or would like to schedule your PRP facial, you can email me at sakura at sakuraskinandmind.com or call 206-730-7429. Peach fuzz is great if it's on a peach. Let Sakura Skin and Mind remove unsightly hair with dermaplaning. Although its primary purpose is to remove layers of dead skin, it's just one of the added benefits leaving your skin baby smooth, safe, effective, fast, and affordable. What a concept! Sakura Skin and Mind wants you to look your very best, and dermaplaning is just one tool in their chest. Find out about dermaplaning at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. We bring out the healthy skin and healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Did you know that your skin is your body's first defense against disease and infection? Briotech knows and has developed their topical skin spray to enhance your skin's natural healing responses and defenses. Briotech is all about providing its customers products that help promote skin wellness. Briotech Topical Skin Spray is a light misting spray free of added fragrance, oil, alcohol, and parabens. All this protection without clogging your pores. It's a must addition to your all around daily skincare regimen. Try Briotech, a collection of sprayers from two ounces to eight ounces, with this bundle, you can have Briotech Topical Skin Spray wherever life takes you. All natural and safe to use from head to toe. Irritations, redness, post-procedure sensitivities? Get Briotech Topical Skin Spray today. Years in the making, doctor recommended, and available through Amazon. Learn more at BrioTechUSA.com. 
That's B-R-I-O-T-E-C-H-U-S-A dot com. Support your skin at BrioTechUSA.com. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I am spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to tune in every Wednesday from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. right here on KKNW 1150 AM. Today I'm interviewing author Marie Tremaine. And we're jumping right back into this interview. And I wanted to ask her, she was talking about deadlines before we went to our break. I want to ask, how many hours a day do you write Um, or try to write? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do both. Um, So it varies, um, but generally I try to write um, usually between the hours of 7 and 12 for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But those are my summer hours. So, you know, when kids are school and I'm running people around, it might shift. But usually about five hours a day. Five hours a day. Yeah. Okay. And that's what I was going to ask you is I know that you're a mother and a wife. So, and you have a day job. How do you balance all of that with writing? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I don't. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you do your best. Mm -hmm. Um, You you move things when you can. You, You try to be kind to yourself and not... Uh, lose sight of the fact that, you know, if you're so stressed out and you're not sleeping, that you're not going to be very creative either. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, kindness to yourself is part of the process. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, you have to have a schedule. You yeah, have to I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Do you ever just blank out? Do you have writer's block? Yes, sometimes I do. <laughs> and you know what you have to do? What do you have to do? You have to write anyway. <laughs> and it might not be Just good. The alphabet, I mean, get to going. I mean, well, often actually, no. But um, but what I might do is take a walk. Okay. Um, sometimes Clear going outside, clearing my head yeah. um, uh, helps out. But sometimes you just have to write something and you may, it may not be the most inspirational thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once you're feeling it again later, you can go back and revise and get into it. Progress. Yeah. yeah, I see. It's kind of like a writer's high, if you will. Is that is that the word for it or do they give a term term for that at all? I mean, there's definitely times when you're more inspired than others. Yeah. Um, and I, you can call that a writer's high, I suppose. Um, but if you waited to feel that way mm-hmm. when writing, you would never finish your book. Huh. You you really just have to keep going regardless. Keep pushing of, through. Yeah. Yeah. So do you believe one needs to be an empath to be a good writer? I think it may depend on what you're writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it helps. Um, you'll be able to layer those characters with the emotions and the understandings a little better maybe. Mm-hmm. But then I always think back to that movie, As Good As It Gets, with Jack Nicholson, <laughs> where I think he was a romance writer uh-huh. and he was just this awful person who didn't understand women at all. No, um, no compassion. Right. So I don't know that it's necessary to be a good writer, but to be an empathetic writer, perhaps mm-hmm. it's necessary. Yeah. Okay. And do you think there's an element of spirituality that goes into your writing or into the process uh, I do. Um, you know, there are moments when I come up with an idea and it feels like it's not my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always very grateful for those moments, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm always open to receiving them. So, um, so yeah, I feel like I work in tandem with, you know, um, you know, my idea of God and the universe and, yeah. and, uh, and I always feel receptive to that and, and, uh, and it works well for me. That's great. I wonder how many writers do that and don't do that. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I, I think plenty of them do. Um, and I also think there are probably some who don't. So, yeah. Yeah. 
So when you take that time, when you said you were getting writer's block and you would go for a walk, um, do you ever sit and meditate too? Does that seem to help you at all? Oh, yeah, I do meditate. Um, in fact, uh, at the start of my journey, meditation was a large part of trying to identify as a writer. Oh. I would envision oh. myself as a published author, and that was really big for me. Um, I'd be driving down the street going, I am an author. <laughs> I am Marie Tremaine, an author. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and you say it enough, and you, you believe it, you and start you believing. become it. Yeah, exactly. positive affirmations. That's great. Mm -hmm. Mantras. Wow. So what does the utmost liter literary success look like for you? To me, it's, it's, a, uh, it's readers who look for my name when they go into a bookstore. Readers mm -hmm. who know that they're going to have a fun, enjoyable read and maybe escape their hectic lives for six, seven hours, you know, or however long they stretch it out. Mm -hmm. that's, that's success to me is, uh, is being looked for among the readership. Yeah, that's great. And how did it feel to have this book here that I'm holding in my hand? <laughs> <laughs> you know, how did it feel to hold it in your hand? <clears throat> so it's a funny story. The first time I held an actual physical copy of my book, um, I was at Powell's in Oregon um, mm -hmm. at the Cedar Hills Crossing location. I was doing a panel on um, romance and feminism. And mm -hmm. uh, there was a reader in uh, the, she's also an author, uh, in the first row. And I hadn't, I had walked right by them. They were sitting on a bookshelf and I hadn't noticed. noticed I was them? so nervous. Oh and I started talking about it and uh -huh. saying, well, one day I'll get to hold my book. <laughs> and she got up grabbed a copy and handed, and handed it, to it to me you. and I choked up. It was emotional. Oh, wow. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So do you, um, I wanted to ask you what are three pieces of advice that you have for anyone else out there trying to make it as a writer? Um, honestly, network, network, network. Mm. Um, but, but along with that, don't give up. Yeah. So I would say network, don't give up and believe in yourself. Because it's um, networking, meeting people, pushing through those social anxieties and um, doubts about mm -hmm. yourself was crucial to um, meeting the right people who yeah. could put me in touch with other right people. And, um, you know, not giving up is essential. Mm -hmm. You have to sit down at that computer every day and hammer out your manuscript and you have to believe in yourself when you're doing it. Mm. Um, I think those are probably the three biggest things I can say. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you know, seeing yourself as a writer, right? Yeah. Seeing the finished product. Did you see your book before um, it came out? <laughs> I mean, I saw it kind of a, an ephemeral version of it, you know, yeah. in my head, but it wasn't the, it wasn't the beautiful cover that I ended up getting. Um, but yeah, you have to envision yourself mm. as a writer. Fake it till you make it, if you yeah. will. Right. Yeah. There yeah. You go. Yeah. So where are you in as far as like when your book was released? Where are you at right now? Are you doing book tours? Is your book available all over in print? Where are you at? Um, so right now, um, so my first book is out. My second book will be out in, uh, on October 30th. Um, and I am a digital first uh, author with Avon and they do the print release usually a few weeks after that initial digital release. Mm. Um, so my books are available. You can order the physical copy online mm -hmm. um, from just about anywhere. Okay. Um, but but yeah, so uh, second book will be out in October and then the third book will be out early next year. Oh, wow. That's great. So you have a lot of deadlines. 
I have a lot of deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you see yourself always writing in this genre of romance? Um, you know, it's so much fun. That's one thing I can say about the romance genre and romance authors and the publishers and is it's a lot of fun. You know, mm. we we laugh, we cry, we do all sorts of things together. I was just at the Romance Writers Association of America. They have um, mm. their uh, annual conference um, in different locations each year. And uh, we were just in Denver last week, and we have such a good time together. So I can't imagine leaving romance because I enjoy writing it. I like reading it. I yeah. like the people I work with. Um, and uh, But I have toyed with the idea of maybe branching out, you know, maybe some historical fiction or something different. I mm-hmm. just don't know yet. Okay. We'll see. Okay. And do you see, I mean, I, I know a lot of romance novels actually come into movies. I mean, do you, <laughs> are you seeing that for your book or your book series? That Wouldn't that be great? Um, maybe I should meditate on that. Um, I, uh, you know, I, it would be a lot of fun. It doesn't happen often, although I will say that Julia Quinn, who is a very famous romance author, just signed a deal with Netflix last week oh, for, for wow. one of her series, the Bridgerton okay. series. So um, that's amazing. And that's great for all of us uh-huh. in the genre. So, Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, you yeah. never know. Keep on visualizing, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I want to ask before we have to go, Is there? Um, are you going to be doing any book signings in Seattle? You know, I'm sure I will. I don't have anything quite set up yet. Um, and so, um, but I do post things on my website um, pretty regularly. So, And what is your website? It's uh, marietremaine.com. Okay. <laughs> and again, for the listeners, the name of your book? Uh, my first book is Lady in Waiting. And where can they grab that? You can get that um, either through the Avon HarperCollins websites or you can get it Amazon, Barnes & Noble, even Target. Yeah. Okay. And and they can follow you how? Um, I am on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, yeah. I'd love to see you there. Say right. hi. Great. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me. And go and pick out this book. This is an am- amazing book, Lady in Waiting. Thank you, Marie. Thank you. Microneedling is a revolutionary treatment that can help reduce the appearance of acne scars, fine lines, pigmentation, wrinkles, even improve the appearance of stretch marks by stimulating collagen and elastin. Sakura Skin and Mind specializes in this procedure that jumpstarts your body's natural healing process. Sakura Skin and Mind believes in not only keeping the skin up to date with the latest trends in the skincare industry, but also keeping the skin beautiful, fast, pretty, painless, and affordable. Find out more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. Hypnotherapy helps you discover and explore deep, sustainable life changes. Let Sakura guide your communication with your unconscious mind. Rid yourself of negative behaviors, fears, pains, and emotions. Weight loss, smoking, childhood drama, chronic pain, and much more can be addressed. Begin healing now. Just $100 for the first session. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. Bring out the healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. 
If you're planning on building a home or a major landscaping project, you'll want the team of Stone Resources on your side. Safely, effectively, and correctly working with our unique terrain requires local knowledge and environmental care. For 21 years, Stone Resources has been making sure their customers' biggest investment is on solid ground. Trust your next earth-moving project to Stone Resources. Call 425-754-6792. That's 425-754-6792. Stone Resources. We make the earth move. And remember, if you need dirt or have dirt to get rid of, you can call on us. 425-754-6792. Men, care for your skin properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers their Gentleman's Groom Clinical Facial for just $120. Designed for your rugged skin, a deep cleansing clinical facial is like a one-two-three punch to wrinkles, age spots, and problem skin. Tame those brows, ears, and nostrils. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A SkinAndMind.com Alternative Talk 1150 Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I am spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to tune in every Wednesday from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. right here on KKNW 1150 AM. Today I am interviewing author Marie Tremaine. So Marie, I wanted to ask you, For our listeners that are, you know, starting to write or maybe have been writing or maybe just aren't there yet, what is the process of of public, uh, public, (laughs) what is the process of publication? So it's funny because I think I thought when I started that you write this book and then stuff happens and that's not true. (laughs) I found that out really quickly. No. Um, So the first thing you'll need to do if you want to pitch it to a traditional publishing house is find yourself an agent. Mm. You have to query them. Um, And there are uh, lots of really great helpful guidelines online um, to how to construct a query letter and what to include with it. And it varies by genre usually. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you'll need to do some research on which agent you'd like to pitch to. Um, And by which agent, I mean which many agents you should be pitching to. Yeah, I was going to say. Right, (laughs) because you should be pitching to a lot. Yeah. Um, And I was actually pretty fortunate. I received a personal recommendation from uh, an award-winning author at a literary agency, and I wanted that agent. And uh, and I pitched to her and two others, and I was rejected by the other two, and I got the one I wanted. Um, so I was lucky. Nice. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's the first step is getting your agent. The second step is that your agent then works with you to polish your manuscript if it needs it. Um, and then they send it out in the world to the publishers and Mm. we sent it out to nine publishing houses. Wow. And it took, oh, around six months, um, not hearing things back. Finally, eight of those houses, um, rejected it. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, the ninth, she, she kind of... That was the one she got. That was the one she got. The one that I really wanted. So Wow. Well, that's great. Yeah. But it took time, you know, these things. just So just being patient. Yeah. Right. That's huge. I I mean, mean, isn't that part of the writing process, too? Except when you're on a deadline. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Then you're not very patient. (laughs) But, yeah, no, it's part of the writing process. Uh, I think motherhood prepared me 
great greatly for that. <laughs> um, I learned patience through motherhood, and yeah. so then I, I, you know, exercised it a little more uh-huh. um, with the whole thing. So yeah, so yeah. Well, that's great. And now I know you said there's going to be three books in the series, and Lady in Waiting is number one. Can you tell us a little bit about number two? I can. Um, so number two. Um, is called The Viscount Can Wait. Mm. And um, the heroine in that book is the sister of the hero in the first book. Okay. And the hero of the second book is his best friend. Oh. I know. <laughs> and uh, and he's, a, he's a bit of a rake, as we like to call it in historical <laughs> romance. We might call it a player. Um, <laughs> but he's a great guy, and she's very deserving of love, and uh, so is he. So uh-huh. it's a fun okay. story. Oh, great. And then um, you were talking about the three book series. Is there any future of doing another series? Um, yes. In fact, I'm putting together some proposals for my publisher right now. A um, couple ideas, maybe um, either an expansion on this universe that I've created with the first series, mm-hmm. um, where I take the daughter of one of the characters and kind of expand their world into their own trilogy. Um or I was considering something more later Victorian era, like 1890s, turn of the century, um, suffragette era type hmm. um, issues. So um, it'll really be kind of a, up to my publisher what they prefer. And they may even have some ideas as well. So. Wow. We'll and then do you stick with the same publisher and the same agent? or? Um, if I'm lucky, I would love to. Yeah, agent, um, agent. Yeah, we're in this to win it, and so um, unless, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, but it's yeah. also at will. So, like, if right. we didn't, one of us didn't feel like it was working out, uh, you know. But that's not going to happen. And um, and I would love to stick with Avon as long as I have me. So yeah, yeah. And now, is anyone else in your family a writer? Um, I have some very smart people in my family that I'm not worthy of, and. <laughs> And they're not published, but, you know, they've always been very good at writing. My, my you know, I, uh, so it's, but no, not as a, as an occupation. Right. But yeah. But as a hobby. But as for fun or, yeah. 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 And then what about your daughter? Is she into writing at all? <laughs> not right now. And I actually, I was taking a walk with her last night and, and uh, telling her about this mother and daughter pair that I met last week in Denver and the daughter was an aspiring writer and the mother was so proud and uh-huh. and 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 she kind of looked at me and I went don't get me wrong it's <laughs> fine if you never want to write a word uh-huh. i just thought it was kind of cute um and so yeah not right now but you never know maybe inspiring to be a mother daughter duo as far as <laughs> authors go yeah yeah, yeah. You, you just yeah so she and it's funny because you know i didn't really see myself being a writer until i was probably in my early to mid 30s so yeah. These things take time. It wasn't something I thought I was going to be doing ever as a kid or in my 20s. Although your background, though, you went to UW, right? Mm-hmm. And you have a BA in English? Yes, English language and literature. But I did avoid those creative writing classes. <laughs> I think, And the irony is I think I was huh. afraid of being judged. Really? Because it's such a personal thing to be yes. creative, you know, yeah. as an artist of any kind. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's the irony because now I'm getting judged all day long <laughs> online, you know, Goodreads, Amazon. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, yeah. but you got to get over those fears. Well, and I think personal, right? Because you are, I mean, you have to put something in there, like personal stories or whatnot into your, into your books. There is a lot of you that goes into your writing. Yeah. You know, even if you don't know it, even if it doesn't reflect 
specific situations in your life. Uh-huh. It's all you. Everything you create. It's like a paintbrush on a canvas. It's mm. it's you in a way. And That's so a great yeah. metaphor. It's very yeah. personal. So sure. Yeah. So. And I would imagine having or being an introvert, are you less of an introvert now? I mean, is this making <laughs> you less of an introvert? I can bring out the Myers Briggs. There's so many different <laughs> introverts. I don't know if you've like I d- I moved up a level or oh, changed. I, probably not. <laughs> um, and I was I, d- I was an introvert the last time I took it last year. Um, so it, you know, I think I'll always probably be a bit introverted, but uh-huh. I I like to think of myself as a friendly introvert. You know, <laughs> like if nobody's talking to me, I'll stand in the corner and just shrink. But if if somebody comes up to me, I I you know I'll give them a hug if if mm-hmm. it needs. So. It's um, it has made me a little braver, maybe in in daily life. You know, I would imagine a little more confident, but still an introvert. Are most writers that you meet introverted? Yes, really. <laughs> which is okay. Which is again some irony because you know, um, in this day and age, publishers expect you to be active on social media. Mm-hmm. That took a lot of adjustment for me, um, because I love connecting with readers, but <laughs> you know, <it> was <laughs> but little, I don't want to be seen. But don't talk while to I'm me. I'm doing it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> don't make me say something. So yeah, it's um, it gets a little easier with practice. It's like a lot of things, right? I would imagine. But, you know, it's probably easy to being an introvert and writing because you're able to kind of be behind that. Behind the you know, scenes. scenes. Yeah. 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 Although I won't deny that, you know, being on a panel and and, you know, connecting with people isn't fun because it is. Yeah, I imagine yeah. you're meeting people from all over. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's terrific. So as far as writing as a hobby and you were saying that you didn't do creative writing when you were in college. Um, did you write, though, as a hobby? I mean, was that something you did as a kid or? Yes, um, I, I did. And I um, and actually one of the things that, you know, and learned from my mistakes um, uh, when I was in sixth grade, there mm-hmm. was like the Academy Awards. We would all write <laughs> our books and submit them. And I was up for one of the Academy Awards. <laughs> and so I wrote cute. this really heavy story about this girl who lost her mother and like the family's moving on without her. And it was wow. really dramatic. And I was so proud of it. And I lost to a story, a very charming story about a cat and a dog. And it and it really upset Ruined me. Ruined you. It did for a while. <laughs> and I think that's sort of where things spiraled out of my, you know. You're not a writer. Right. All of that. Yeah. yeah. And um, and now uh, when I started writing seriously and trying to take myself seriously, mm-hmm. I was like, hey, look, my story was good. The cat and the dog story was good. <laughs> it's all good. You yeah. know, we can all be good together. Right. And so, yeah. That's... Did you regain that confidence when you were younger or was that at a much older age? Oh, no, gosh, that didn't start until after I, I started writing this manuscript. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. It took. 20 years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And was most of your writing then, would you say, I mean, people use it as an outlet. Is it an outlet for you? I think there's something cathartic about it, you know, Um, having things pop out on a page that's fun to read. Um, And maybe you're writing about something that you've gone through or, um, you know, it's not that I include personal instances in my books, but, but, you know, like I said earlier, we can all sort of relate with mm-hmm. these certain themes um, that are in these books. And so, um, and we all like to fall in love. Right. And so it's kind of nice because, you know, you get to fall in love every time you write a story or read a story. And, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That sounds so magical. <laughs> I like to think of it that way. Well, great. Well, that's all the time we have for today's show. But don't forget to stick around for my Get Hip segment. 
And I would like to thank you, Marie Tremaine, for coming on today and not only talking about your romance novel, Lady in Waiting, but also inspiring others as well. I'd also like to thank my fabulous producer, Eric, and you, the listener. You can find me at lovefromthehip.com or sakuraskinandmind.com. Also, please like me on Facebook at Love From The Hip or follow me on Instagram at Love From The Hip, and that's H-Y-P. If you have any comments, questions, or are interested in being hypnotized on a podcast, please feel free to email me at sakura at lovefromthehip.com or call 206-730-7429. Remember to tune in next Wednesday at 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. here on KKNW 1150 a.m. to hear Love From The Hip and make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare you. Welcome to Get Hip. In this weekly segment, I'd like to discuss hypnotherapy or other mind modalities, be it fun facts or maybe a recent session with a client. Today, I would like to discuss SRT, spiritual response therapy or soul reprogramming therapy, which I offer in my clinic. Most of us are suffering from programming that continues to bring us the same unfortunate circumstances. This programming may have been established in the womb, at birth, in this lifetime, or in past lives. Until we recognize it on a subconscious level, we are unable to clear it, and sometimes this involves learning the history of it. SRT was originally called response therapy and founded by Dr. Clark Cameron, a sociologist. Dr. Cameron, having studied clinical hypnotherapy, knew that an ideomotor response was extremely important for locating hidden messages that cause daily problems in life. An ideomotor response is a finger lift or an eye movement. Dr. Cameron believed a pendulum could function as a tool for an ideomotor response and began using it with his patients. In 1985, Dr. Cameron and his wife introduced it to Robert E. Detzler, a unity minister, who later added spiritual aspects to the method and renamed it Spiritual Response Therapy. He created a series of charts to be used with a pendulum to help people find out what programs they have running, why, and when they were established, as well as the process of clearing them. Robert E. Detzler and his wife moved to Washington State in 1990, where they set up the SRA, Spiritual Response Association, an incorporated nonprofit religious educational organization. I use SRT often in combination with hypnotherapy as well as EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique, to assist my clients in overcoming their issues. Most often, I will use SRT first because it will reveal underlying programs or patterns that are contributing to the issue the client is having, and they may not even be aware of it. If you would like to learn more about SRT or would like to schedule an appointment, you can do so at sakura at sakuraskinandmind.com or call 206-730-7429.